All right, friends, this episode is for all of you who are looking at creating an online presence or maybe a blog or maybe a YouTube channel or maybe a podcast. And we are going to get into a topic today that is kind of an elusive one. It's something that you don't hear a lot of influencers talk about very candidly. And when they do, they talk about it in pretty vague terms. It's a lot of hush, hush, kind of keep it secret. But today we are pulling back the curtain on how to work with sponsors and creating sponsored content and how to have affiliate relationships and all of that juicy stuff. So this is something I have done personally on and off over the years, both with the Prairie Homestead blog and my YouTube channel and this podcast. But recently, I have revamped my processes a bit and as a result have had some extremely successful relationships with some really amazing companies. So I'm going to be joined by Michelle Visser. And she has been a part of my personal team for a number of years now. And as my marketing and project manager, Michelle is my liaison with every company I work with. So she knows all the ins and outs of how we do our affiliate relationships, how we create sponsored content, how we find companies that we align with, all of that good stuff. So we're going to chat today about how you can start from kind of the ground up with this. Even if you have a small platform, a smaller podcast or a smaller blog, how you can start finding those authentic relationships and bringing different products and opportunities to your audience that feels good to both you and them. Now, Michelle has worked in marketing for decades, but she's also an author. She writes a ton about homesteading, pasture-raised pork, and the sugars her family makes from their maple grove and their apiary. She also runs her own brand, in addition to helping me with mine, from her homestead in New England, which, by the way, includes her own podcast. It's called Simple Doesn't Mean Easy, and you can follow along there with her on your favorite podcast player. All right, let's get into the episode. You're listening to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast, where ambitious people master the art of returning to their roots. Have you found yourself disenchanted with society or wishing you could opt out of the rat race? Perhaps you're craving a life that's meaningful and tangible, a life where you can create and produce instead of merely consume. I'm Jill Winger, best-selling author and longtime homesteader. Over the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of families create more connection, grow amazing organic food, and find the ultimate fulfillment through an old-fashioned lifestyle. And I can do the same for you. Now, on to our episode. Hey, Michelle, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jill. So I, I told you guys that a minute ago that Michelle, you know, we've worked together for a while. How long? What When was it? Like 2019? when you came on the team? I think it was 18. I really, I think it's been three years. Yeah. And so I initially started looking for another assistant because I knew my cookbook was coming out and we had the cooking course coming out and everything was just like popping. And I'm like, I am drowning and I need, (laughs) I need serious help. So (laughs) I started, I put out a little post and Michelle applied and we'd been, we'd known each other before that a little bit where I'd like shared some of your content. We worked in a right, smaller capacity. Right. right. Um, I got super excited. This was before you brought me on the team. 
I had asked you if you'd like to use my bread recipe in your cookbook. And that was when I got super excited. Yes. Maybe Jill's my friend. <laughs> yes. And for those of you who have the cookbook, it's the maple oat sandwich bread. Yep. Right. It's yep. so good. And I have so many people go, oh, your bread recipe is awesome. I'm like, it's not my bread recipe. It's the best <laughs> sandwich bread. Cause it's so hard to make homemade sandwich bread. That doesn't, it is. it's yep. so good. But anyway, that came from Michelle and then we started working together and the rest is history. Um, yeah. I, I think you've had, sometimes I don't know what your official title is. Like, I mean, I, we call you <laughs> manager and like a uh, community manager, but right. You do a lot I, of things. I throw well, a lot of things at you. I typically, as my little signature, when I'm reaching out to brands, I call myself your marketing and project manager. Cause it kind of combines both worlds. Yes. Yes. So, but basically, I mean, Michelle does a lot of different things, but she is the one who works, you know, with the companies that I work with, affiliate relationships, sponsor relationships. We have affiliates that promote my products. So she helps with that. Um, that part of my business, if I was trying to do that along with creating all the content and everything else, like that would be way too much. And so that was probably one of the smartest things I ever outsourced. Um, also, I feel like Michelle, it's kind of one of your natural skills. Like you're really good at it. You're really good at communication and, um, being professional, but also firm when you need to be. And I, I don't know, it's just, yeah, it's been great. Cause I don't like that part of, I mean, you have to, you have to like do a little dance. There's always a little dance there. Um, and I've, I've done marketing since college. So marketing is my jam. It gets me really excited in really weird yeah. ways, you know, yes. <laughs> the, the, the nerdy things that make us excited, even yes. though like gardening and chickens, I'm like, I still yes. like a lot of marketing stuff. It's fun. Yep. Yep. So, it is. Yeah. So anyway, um, I think this conversation is what I'm really excited about because it's shrouded in a lot of mystery. And, you know, if, if we have a lot of folks listening who want to start some sort of sort, some sort of online platform, maybe a YouTube channel or an Instagram account or an old school blog or something, and they probably see people like you and I working with companies or mentioning companies. And I think there's this whole, like, I don't know how they're doing that. Are they getting paid to do that? Should I be getting paid to do that? How does that work? And so I kind of want to pull back the curtain in today's episode and just help people understand um, kind of the ins and outs of this whole side of the online business world. Totally. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So the first question I have for you, um, this is a big one. If someone is just starting out, I think most people assume if they have a smaller platform that they can't work with companies because companies are only going to want to work with like the big influencers. So what would your options be if you're in that position? First of all, that's totally wrong. You can be brand new first week on the job, quote unquote, and you can work with companies. Now, it's not going to be a situation where they're knocking on your doors, of course, but you can um, sign up with them to be an affiliate. And so many companies offer affiliate programs. It's really smart on their part because they found out in the past few years or decade that, believe it or not, people aren't crazy about commercials and people really don't like ads. But what people love, if they're in the market for a product, whether they know it or not, they might not even realize yet that they really need that product, but they want to ask a friend. They want to know what their friends think. And there's actually been studies done on this. 83% of Americans will trust an endorsement from someone that they know. Mm -hmm. So that's huge. And marketers and companies realize that that's the way to go. Because if you have an online presence of any sort, even if you're small, 
even if you only have 50 people that are watching what you're doing, those 50 people chose to watch what you're doing. They've signed up for your Facebook page or your Instagram page and they, they get your emails or whatever it is. So they care about what you're doing. So even if it's just 50 people, if you start talking about a product that you love, they're going to pay attention. So you can simply go to an affiliate platform. There are three biggies that come to mind. Um, you can look up ShareSale, Pepper Jam, and CJ Affiliates, I believe it's called. So those are the biggies. And that's a great place to start. If you just, just hit publish on your blog and you're brand new to this, go to those platforms and start searching around. They categorize the companies that work with them in different ways. So you can look for what you're looking for in all different ways. And you just start signing up. Um, but there's a lot more options than that because a lot of companies choose to not use those platforms for a ton of different reasons. And you can just go to a website of any company that you like that you might want to work with and look at the footer on their website and look for the wording affiliate program or affiliates. So talk to us about our affiliates or something like that. Look for the word affiliate and click on that and go from there. Um, I would tell you that there are some things you should probably look for. First of all, the biggest question is what percentage do they pay their affiliates? And you're going to find a range anywhere from typically four to eight, maybe 10%. Um, so if you find that there are a couple different companies that make whatever this product is that you're thinking, you know, I'd like to tell my audience about this, check into those couple companies and see what the percentages are and how they equate. But it's not all about the percentages, I should tell you. You also want to look for the cookies and how length, the length of the cookies, which what that means is if somebody follows a link that you give them and they go to that website to check out that product you just told them you love, how long will their computer register that that came from your click? So if they wait four days and then they go, you know, that thing that Michelle told me about, I really want to go buy that. If the cookie is for longer than four days, you're still going to get the credit. So that's one thing to also consider. And finally, you might want to look and see if they have an evergreen offer. Evergreen means it's not going to expire. And the offer can be anything like 5% off your first order to $10 off if you spend 100 But it might be something that they offer to every affiliate and they give you a special little code that makes you feel really awesome. It makes you feel like you're the big time, right? Because you have a coupon you can offer your followers. Um, but if they don't have that, there's one more thing I tell you to look for. Um, again, if you're comparing companies and you're not sure which one to reach out to, go start looking on their social media pages or sign up for their emails. First of all, see if their message jives with your message and definitely choose the company that does. And second of all, see, are they offering specials on their own? Because even if they don't give you your special little code that you can use, if they're offering specials, then you can tell your audience, um, oh, you know, Tuesday through Friday of this week, you can get 20% off this great product and here's my link that you can use, right? So you can still take advantage of it if they're one of those companies that are always out there giving specials and coupons. So I think I just threw a whole lot of things out there, but did that all make sense? <laughs> yeah, no, that was really good. And I think that's really valuable because there are a lot of affiliate programs. Like, especially if you go on the, the Pepper Jams or the Share of Sales, I've, I've gone on there before and, and basically gone, oh, there's so much. Yeah. I don't even know how to find a good one. And some of them yeah. are cheesy. Like, and, and you'll get emails sometimes. Like I think most bloggers, once you even have a teeny following or maybe you have a YouTube platform, you get like these kind of weird spammy emails. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, where it's yeah. like, 
you're like, is this a robot or an actual human? And they're making, they're like, join my program to sell sliding glass doors, right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> lots of offers. And so you have to be really particular with weeding through. And I think those were some great points mm-hmm. to help people. I know for me at the beginning, before I hired you, one of the things I would do is I would just think, what am I using? Like, what am I just using around the homestead in my yeah. kitchen? What do I really enjoy that I use? And I'm like, this is the smartest invention or product ever. And just go to their website, like you said, and just go. And sometimes um, if they don't have it in their footer, you can just email their customer support and say, do you have a program? Or if you don't, would you consider starting one? I'd love to work with you. Um, Absolutely. But yeah, I think. Absolutely. And reach out to them on social media because usually their marketing coordinator person works very closely with whoever's running their social media. So just reach out and ask them on there too. Yeah, no. And I think the, the pickier you can be, the better for sure. Definitely. Um, back on the cookie topic, what yeah. would you advise would be like, I mean, it really depends on the company, a good length of cookies to, for people to look for. Honestly, Jill, that has changed so dramatically. It actually started back when Amazon went crazy and decided to really eliminate almost their affiliate program. It's really yes. decreased. Um, and ever since then, a lot of companies have kind of followed suit. So cookies are not easy to find a good length. If you can find a 30-day cookie, I would say give it five stars and, you know, maybe check into that company. Okay. Yeah, it has changed a lot. Um, And let's talk about Amazon affiliate real quick, because that used to be one when I talked about affiliate programs a long time ago, I'd be like, oh, do Amazon affiliate. That is not the case anymore. No. They, I mean, you know, they're smart, obviously. They're like the number one brand in the world. They're smart. They got there by being smart. And they set up this great program and they had every blogger in the world and every YouTuber in the world putting their links everywhere because they were paying a nice little percentage. And the thing is, before I go any further, I feel like I should point out to people in a lot of ways, how do I say this? You're not getting free money if you're an influencer and you're pushing Amazon links Mm -hmm. because every time you recommend a product to your audience, on it, you really better like it. And it really should be a good product because soon enough, your audience is going to realize, well, that's not genuine. You know, why is she pushing that thing? Or why is she, you know, so you really have to pick carefully. And the people that are out there just throwing around affiliate links, hoping to make a buck here or 250 there, eventually, you know, they're losing a lot of traction with their audience. So um, when I'm sitting here saying, well, Amazon doesn't pay enough anymore, what I, I want to show the whole picture to everybody that you really are putting a little bit of yourself out there whenever you're recommending a product yeah. and it's hard work. I mean, it's not just you send one email and you put one link and you make 500 bucks. It doesn't work that way, <laughs> you know? So Amazon, they were paying a nice percentage. It wasn't great. I believe it was 6%, I think. Um, but it wasn't great. I mean, like I said, a lot of companies are willing to give you 10%. If you're really doing a good job and they see response from your audience and they realize you're a good connection, then they want to give you credit for that. But Amazon went from six down to goodness. I don't even know Jill because I don't work with them anymore. Is it, I think it's four maybe. It was, I think it was even it's, less than that on some, I think it was just it, like, maybe yeah, three maybe. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and their cookies reduced and yeah. it's just. Yeah. And and the thing is, everybody had already infiltrated all their content, filled it up with Amazon links. And to go back to a year ago and take out and replace things, it's almost impossible. So, yeah. And I think that one of the reasons that made it so lucrative was because like um, back in the day, because I used to 
do a lot of Amazon affiliate links like five, six, seven years ago. And well, and to be fair, it's not just, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but it's not just that you were trying to make money with those links to be fair. Mm -hmm. The great thing with Amazon was they sold everything and you could tell your audience, this is the exact one I use by clicking, you know, they can just click the Amazon link and it's harder to find a brand out there who sells that exact product you have, you know, so it makes sense. So it's not that you were out there trying to you know, make big money on Amazon right. links is what I'm saying. But go but ahead, no, I interrupted you. But you're you. right. It was, it, they have such a wide variety. So if I couldn't find a, a source for organic cinnamon somewhere else and people are like, what cinnamon are you using? I'd be like, oh, right. here's a, a good one on Amazon. Right. And the other piece that was lucrative was if I, if someone clicked on my link for cinnamon and even if they went to look at the cinnamon, they're like, I don't want this cinnamon. And they click off within like 30 days, if they went back on Amazon, which they probably would, because everybody uses Amazon every six hours, you know, in our exactly. Culture, exactly. And they bought a computer or a TV or whatever, then I would still get a percentage of that. So right. I mean, it was like, whoa, so everybody used Amazon links. And then I don't know, but about the time when they cut their affiliate program down, I was kind of starting to feel just personally, like not a fan of Amazon and just how it was smushing out so many small companies. And so we absolutely. Made- um, when, within our business to no longer use Amazon and links, even though we get a small percentage, we stripped, I mean, I think there's still some on the blog because it's unfortunately it's because it's impossible. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But we stripped those out and I started being like, well, if I can't find a non Amazon affiliate, we just won't have a link. Um, and, and that's my own decision. I mean, not everyone has to follow in, in our footsteps, but right. I was just kind of like, Amazon doesn't really align with my values as far as like supporting small and local anymore anyway. So absolutely. Anyway, that was a, a little bit of a rabbit trail, but I think it's an important For both of us. I think we were both on a rabbit trail. <laughs> yeah, but like, I mean, because Amazon was such a big player in the affiliate world for so long. Yeah. Um, oh, one other thing before we move on. Yeah. I did want to mention, you can work with companies like maybe they sell seeds or they sell ingredients for kitchen stuff or whatever your niche is, but you can also work with other influencers or bloggers who have courses or eBooks. Definitely. Um, I, again, be selective because there are there are eBooks out there that aren't, I don't feel like are super meaty or they don't have a lot of content, but they have affiliate Mm -hmm. programs. And I usually will go in and check out the content and the course before I promote it just to make sure that it, I mean, anything that we promote on the Prairie Homestead or on this podcast, it's like really aligned. Like it's something we've used. Usually you use it. Usually I use it. I try it first. I, I'm very picky, Um, but I've had some great opportunities with ebook bundles or courses that I love and I'm using and promoting those as well. So you might just go to your colleagues as well as looking for other companies. Definitely. And when you do that, you're also building up a relationship with people in your niche. And that's so valuable for a whole lot of reasons. Yes. Yes. Some of those relationships that I built over the years have been really one of the biggest assets, I think, to all the things I do is just having that networking. Yeah. Um, Okay. So we have the affiliate relationships. What are some other ways that you can work with a brand beyond just an affiliate program? Um, The next thing that comes to mind is a sponsorship, which is a paid relationship that is a set fee that the brand is willing to pay you with whatever predetermined content you agree that you'll give them over a certain course of time. Um, When you are thinking about a sponsorship, the first thing you might want to do is watch others, see what other people, if you have a YouTube channel, watch similar niche YouTube 
people out there, YouTube people, <laughs> YouTubers, <laughs> and you know, find out what are they talking about? Because the reason I say that is often that company is one that understands the value of influencer marketing. If you see a company that's working with someone else doing what you want to do, then they probably will be open to talking to you too. Um, so that's one thing is to just watch it. It doesn't have to be people in your niche. Like it could be, what are some products that absolutely anybody would leave? Hand lotion might be something that anybody would use, no matter what you're promoting as an online content creator. So if you follow somebody who's not at all in your niche, but you know, you see that they love this hand lotion and they're always giving out coupons for this hand lotion, and then okay, maybe that means I could check into that company and work with them. Um also um I do, I guess I should say anybody, because we were talking about if you just started out, what can you do? Most likely a sponsorship is not something you can do on day 30 of having your YouTube channel out there. Um, but you can look at very small companies. Like if you have a local farm, maybe that um, sells something you don't sell, maybe they would be willing to work with you in some way. Maybe they'd be willing to give you $25 a month if you mention them every time in your YouTube video. You never know. Um, for me, the one thing that comes to mind is we were looking for a honey, someone who made and sold honey. And I couldn't find a company that was in line with your values that I really thought we wanted to work with. So I thought, I'm going to do this the, the non-traditional way. And I actually signed up for some Facebook pages for beekeepers. And I just went on these Facebook groups and I just kind of watched for a few days to see who was talking about what. And, and then I noticed one particular family and a few things they said, I went, I like these people, you know, and I reached out to them and I said, do you sell online? And that's how we met this family that makes amazing honey, especially their Tupelo honey. It's fantastic. Mm -hmm. And they're great to work with. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yes, so similar in that sometimes it takes some detective work, similar to the yep. affiliate research. And again, that's right. I went off topic. I went yeah. totally off topic. No, no, we don't, no, we don't, I would, no, well, no, I, I was off topic because I was talking about sponsorship and then I was oh. like, oh, let me talk about honey. Cause we actually have never worked with them in that capacity. Cause I mean, they are a small company, but what I was, mm. what I was getting at was for a new blogger, that would be a way to find, if you really want to promote honey, if you can find a beekeeper that's smaller Maybe they don't even have an affiliate program, but you can walk them through the steps of here are your plugin options. You can look into these three plugins. Some plugins are even free that your this beekeeper you find might be able to put on their website and they can start an affiliate program, even if you're the only one selling their honey for them. Does that make sense? That makes did sense. I, yeah. Did I bring that back around? I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. good, good job. Good job. No. Um, for sure. And yeah, and so sometimes it's finding, I mean, there have been times where I'm like, Michelle, like the canning lids, right? Um, some of you remember the Harvest Guard canning lids that I mm -hmm. had on the podcast and on my YouTube channel a couple months ago. I was like, Michelle, we've got to find a canning lid manufacturer. Mm -hmm. And so we went and did a whole bunch of research and we found Harvest yep. Guard. And I, we, like, we stalked them for a while. I'm like, are they good? Are they reputable? Yeah. <laughs> are they, are they legit? We did. Totally. And then we reached out and we're like, let's work together. Um, mm -hmm. So sometimes it happens like that. We, I, we recognize a need. And it's not, for me, it's not just like, Who's going to pay me? It's like, who, what product is going to solve a problem for my audience? Because when Absolutely. we hit that sweet spot, it is so fun. Like, Absolutely. 
it is so fun. And it feels so good because I'm connecting a company I love who, and I appreciate their values with um, my audience who needs what they have to offer. And I can be the go-between and it's like the best thing ever. And then um, your inbox gets flooded by people yes. saying, I love these lids. I can't tell you how glad I am that you told me about these lids. I mean, it's exactly. great. Yeah. And so anyone who's listening and you're going, Ooh, I don't know. What if I feel, what if I feel a little slimy doing sponsorships or what if I feel weird? Doing oh this? yeah. When you do it with integrity, it's awesome because you are Absolutely. solving problems for people. Absolutely. And you know what? You both win. I'm not kidding. Harvest Guard loved working with yes. us. They, we literally emptied their shelves in we their did. warehouse, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and let me just throw another fact your way, just in case anybody starts ever feeling like you just said, there has been a study. Let me see. I actually think I wrote this down because I wanted to be able to tell you. Sway Group was the name of the group if anyone wants to research this. There was a study about influencer marketing that showed for every $1 spent by a company like Harvest Guard Lids, they reap $6.85 in media value. Hmm. Influencer marketing is like very valuable for the companies that work with you. If you just did what you just said. If you have an audience who has a problem and their product meets and solves that problem. Yes, absolutely. Hey friend, I'm interrupting this episode for just a minute to talk about one of our favorite topics, mason jars. Who doesn't love figuring out a new way to use a mason jar? I know I do. But lately I have been on a mission to reduce the amount of single use plastics around our homestead and I found a super cool tool that has helped me do that. Recap mason jar lids easily convert a regular old mason jar into a soap pump or a sprayer or a strainer, or they make your pantry storage even handier. I've been using these lids to help me make kefir, to create bug sprays for my garden, and to use all the pantry supplies and herbs and spices in my cupboards. Recap Mason Jars is a super cool small company. They're based out of Pennsylvania. And of course, the lids are made in the good old US of A. When I was sharing with Recap some of the garden sprays I have been making this year, they wanted to put together a special gardening kit for you guys, my podcast listeners. It includes a pump, a sprayer, a couple flip tops, and two shaker inserts. You can use it for the garden sprays or you could use it for a million other uses, really the sky is the limit. You can save $15 on this kit and get free shipping and you don't even need a coupon. All you have to do is go over to theprairiehomestead.com slash recap and put it in your shopping cart. And now back to our episode. So yeah, that could be one way, you know, solve the problem. The other way, like uh, with, we'll go sometimes the opposite, like kind of come through the back door, like with our greenhouse. We mm-hmm. bought our greenhouse um, from Greenhouse Mega Store, mm-hmm. and I and you are always it. you're always yeah. out there doing these things and never telling yes. me. And I like know, you I finish <laughs> you you like finish your project, and I and I hear about it because I see it on one of your channels, you know. And I'm like, Jill, I know. She's like, you need because, to tell me before you do these things <laughs> because so that bad. company might want to work with you, Jill. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what happened is we yeah. bought our greenhouse like out of pocket with our own money. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. and we were cool with it and we loved it so much. And we loved the experience of working with greenhouse mega store so much. Then yeah. like six months later, I'm like, Michelle, I have a confession. <laughs> I bought the greenhouse. I did, this, you. I did this thing. <laughs> and then Michelle, then she reached out to greenhouse mega store and was like, Hey, 
would you like to come on the podcast? What would you think about working together? And that's yeah. worked out well, you know, yeah. so because, you know, I'm already using and loving it. I would have bought it anyway. It's something yeah. I can stand behind. And now a lot Definitely. of you are able to get all your greenhouse pieces, parts, and your season extension through them as yeah. well. So, yeah. yeah. It's, it's all fun good. when it clicks. It's really fun when it clicks. It really is. And then it's so fun that you have to just keep doing it, you know, because you it's like, it, yeah. you just, you're, you're addicted. <laughs> yep. 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 Um, Okay. So let's talk about rates because this is the big elephant in the room. Mm -hmm. And there's also a lot of instances, especially with smaller people with small, not smaller people, small. (laughs) (laughs) Are you talking about like height? No, not talking about height. No one sent me emails. Um, Smaller (laughs) platforms. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, sometimes brands will reach out and go, I will send you a free um, jar of jam. If you write <laughs> emails for us and do five YouTube videos. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there are those brands, Jill, and I have talked to so many of them. I'm not going to of course say, but you know, one in particular yeah. just recently that I'm like, my head is spinning and they don't see, they don't see the value and they don't understand how hard it is on our end to coordinate all this, like to do all that research you just mm-hmm. said, to make sure it's the best product for our audience. And then to spend time, like you can't just tell your audience, hey, this is a great thing, buy it. I mean, it's really right. a matter of teaching them about this whole subject of whatever it is that this product eventually, you know, eventually leads to this product. And it's it's a story you're telling them. And it's it's a process that you work through. And it's not just it's worth a whole lot more than jar jams, what I'm saying. <laughs> um, and like for that, you know, you said they want you to send 16 emails. Well, if you have, now the granted, this is a huge number and um, I'm not going to share your numbers, of course, but let's say somebody out there has a million people who subscribe to their email, um, which, you know, you have more. We won't, we don't need to say your numbers, but <laughs> um, if you have a million people that subscribe to your email, believe it or not, a good quality email, do you want to know the value? Yeah, a good quality email that is educating your audience and showing why this brand is worthy of your audience's attention. It's worth five thousand mm-hmm. dollars. Just one email. Right. So a jar of jam for sixteen emails, definitely not. I mean, yeah. and I know that's an exaggeration, that, that was, but yeah, sure. But sure. really, it's. <laughs> can I say this? Um, a, a good friend of mine. Um, in fact, I think Kate was on the podcast not long ago. Kate, oh, medicine for dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. She, she comes in my head sometimes because she has these little sayings and her saying is, I'm not going to go pit myself for that product, <laughs> and it's, yeah. but it's true. That's what you're doing. If you're not yeah. doing it organically and honestly and the right way. Yes. So, yes. And your time yeah. is worth something, even if you're just starting out. Um, Absolutely. And maybe you can't charge, you know, giant numbers for an email when you're first starting out nor should you, but you still need to be valuing your time. And also it's sometimes it's a process of educating the companies that yes, my time is worth something. And sometimes they'll go, Oh, okay. I get it. And they're like, no, no, thanks. And that's fine. Like you weren't meant to work together. Right. Um, But like you said, when you're doing this with uh, integrity and authenticity and you're doing it well, it takes a lot of time. It's not just out talking a product. Like we, when we put um, sponsor packages together, like you and I spend hours and hours crafting emails and make like this morning, I was shooting a YouTube video that's high value evergreen content, but we also brought in a sponsor product because I'm actually using that sponsor product legitimately. But I had to think about what is the best way to share this with my audience and 
a way that's going to actually give the audience value and not just like buy this thing because yeah. nobody likes the feeling of that. No yeah. one's going to care. Um, so it takes a lot of time to really yeah. craft it. And for us, you and I were always like, when we're considering bringing on a sponsor, it's like, what is the message behind this? Not just buy the thing is 10% off, but like, Absolutely. what problem is it solving? Is it solving a problem? I mean, you and I've had the yeah. conversation, this doesn't solve a problem. So we're going to pass. Like yeah. it's just a trinket. And if it's yeah. just a trinket, we don't, that's, you know, for me, at least I'm like, eh, not super interested. So absolutely. A lot and of I mean, you didn't even mention social media. If you want to actually, you could spend an hour formulating the right, mm. crafting the right words, avoiding the wrong words and coming up with something that, that the algorithms are going to let you show your audience. You know, if you don't craft it correctly, nobody's even going to see it. So all of that takes time. Oh, I should also mention there is something called social blue book. If anybody, I think it's just socialbluebook.com that it's a, it's a paid service. I think maybe you can do something free. You can probably do a little searching around free first, but if anybody really wants numbers, you can put in, I have 2000 followers on my Facebook page and I have 1100 on my Instagram and I have 800 on my YouTube and it will actually break down values for you and give you ideas of what you can charge for a post or for content being released on any of those platforms. That's awesome because that's been a huge, I know, a question in the space for years is like, what, what do I charge? Like you said, yeah. what, if I'm starting out, like, so it, would that be where you would recommend people start with to kind of figure out a rate for what they're providing or how do you figure Yes. Out? I should have looked to see if you can do that for free. I think you can. So if you can, I would recommend, yeah, go there and try it out to get an idea of your numbers and where that falls. You can also Google it. I mean, believe it or not, you'd be surprised the things you might come up with. If you're willing to spend an hour Googling and digging deep, yeah. you also could reach out to other people who are doing what you're doing, but they're maybe two times your size or a little bit ahead of you in the game. And I wouldn't just immediately reach out and say, oh, hi, Susan. Can you tell me if you get charged, if you charge for that content you just released? <laughs> you know, <laughs> she's probably not going to tell you, but, um, you know, get to, it's good to get to know them anyway. Like we were saying earlier, there's so much value in connecting with others who are doing what you're doing. And you both wind up helping each other, improving what each other's doing and encouraging each other. So get to know Susan. And eventually you might feel comfortable talking to her about, you know, I see you release some great content that re relates to brands. Do you, have you figured out how to charge a little bit for that? You know, and, and you can find out that way too. Yeah. Yeah. I like that idea. But um, what about media kits? Mm. That's something I feel like a lot of people who are newer in the space feel like they maybe have to have one, or maybe they're going to, they're spending a lot of time figuring out what the heck do I put in a media kit? Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Um, first of all, I want to point out that your media kit can look like whatever you want it to look like. Honestly, I will give you a few things that you really need to have in there. But aside from that, you, you want it to look like your brand. Um, people who are just starting out might not have an idea of what their brand really looks like. And that might be okay because you really do want to get to know your audience before you narrow down and define your brand too much. Um, but if you have come up with the colors that you love to use, maybe even you have a photograph of yourself that you love, go with that color scheme and make that your brand colors. But whatever it is, try and have a cohesive appearance on your media kit with what it looks like if they go to look you up on Facebook. Um, try to use the same picture even of yourself on your media kit versus your Facebook versus your Instagram. So there's no doubt that they're at the right place and you look very professional. Um, maybe I should explain even what a media kit is. I mean, it's yeah. basically, 
It's basically one to two pages telling the brand about you. It's telling them how to find you. Um, you want to give your full name. You want to explain what your blog name is. Sometimes your Instagram handle might be different. You want to list all of that so they have no trouble finding you. And you want to list numbers. Um, unfortunately, if you don't list those basic numbers of how many followers you have on each platform, they're probably not even going to give you a second look. So even if you're small, you do need to put, I have, you know, 85 followers on Facebook and I have however many, you know, um, but the rest is up to you and you can customize it to really make yourself shine. And I think somebody who's just starting off can really talk up their good qualities in a media kit. And the more original your pages are from other people, the brand might even notice you more, you know, mm -hmm. if you can really be unique in your media kit. Um, I forget what I was going to, um, I feel like I had another point before I told you what you had to be on it, but okay. So you want, if you have a logo, you want to put that on there. Um, you definitely want to actually list your blog's URL because you don't want them to have to go searching around for that. If you have some sort of a tagline um, or like a general few sentences that describe what's most important to you, put that on there and make it obvious. But the one thing you absolutely have to have too that you can't overlook is your audience demographics because let's face it, if this company is considering investing even just 50 bucks to get you to do a Facebook post, um, they want to know, well, who's going to see it? Like it's not valuable to them if your demographics are... 50 year old male hunters and they're trying to sell nail polish. Right. I mean, so they yes. want to know, um, they want to know the age of your audience, male or female, what country they're in. And it, it, that's actually really easy to find. I, I tell people to get Instagram. I think most people who are doing what we're talking about probably have an Instagram page and that's the easiest place really to find it. If you go um, to insights and then it's under audience it's gonna break all that down for you. And right there, that's the numbers that you wanna put on your media kit. And I've also seen some kits that I thought were really cool where people, they you know gave, they gave their demographic age, um, locations and stuff like that. But they also said, my audience likes this, they don't like this, and they have yes. these problems they're trying to solve. And so yes. as soon as I see that, I'm like, oh, I get it. And yes. I, you know, I bet, that is so helpful to companies. They can go, oh, my product totally fits with this problem that their audience is having. So Absolutely. I think that is genius to put on there as well. Yeah. I mean, basically it's kind of like a resume and just like you can tailor a resume for each job interview, you can tailor your media kit for each company that you want to reach out to. Definitely. And I do also think back to the numbers, if you really have to put, you only have 85 followers on Facebook, that's okay. What I want to encourage people about is you know, there's this imposter syndrome that I think all of us struggle with at one time or another, that you feel like it hits you out of the blue and you go, but am I really genuine? Like, am I good enough to be doing this? Do I know enough? Like there's 500 people that know more than I do about, for me, you know, maple syrup. There's plenty of people that know more about maple syrup. Can I really write a book about maple syrup? But the thing you have to realize is there's a lot more people that don't know anything about it. And if you put yourself on the spectrum, you fall way higher than a lot of other people in whatever the topic is that you are releasing content about. So don't let yourself feel like an imposter and don't let yourself worry that you only have the 85 people following you right now. Because like I said, those 85 people chose to follow you 
and they like your content that you're releasing and you must fall much higher on the spectrum than those 85 people as to what yeah. you're teaching and helping people with. Yeah, so. for sure. And just because you, I mean, you might have years of expertise yes. just because you have 85 followers. That's not reflecting how much time and work totally. and mistakes you've made and things you figured out. And that's worth something, even if it's not reflected in your social media numbers. So do not be Definitely. ashamed to talk that, that piece up. And here's a little confession. I still get imposter syndrome. Like uh, it doesn't mm-hmm. go away. I think mm-hmm. some of the most successful people I've ever met will admit that. Yeah. I still feel like an imposter. Yeah. I walk into a room of certain people and I feel like I don't. Absolutely. Yeah. Or there, there are times when somebody will be like, uh, Jill, could you teach me about gardening or could you teach me about milk cows? And like the first thought in my head is like, I don't know anything about gardening. I don't know enough. I don't know. Like it's just part, it's something our brains do. Yeah. And the fact is too, we all fail. No matter how good you are at dairy, Jill, you have failures, you know? And every time that happens, you think, well, daggone it, I must not be good enough. You know, there's a little piece of me that just goes, yeah. yeah." And it's just not true. There's always going to be somebody who knows more than you. Sure. But that doesn't mean you still don't have some value. And even just your own perspective of how you communicate and how you break down ideas. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of value. So I think that's a constant thing. We just, as creators, just to keep reminding ourselves of that. And you get better at pushing through that, those negative thoughts, but they're always kind of, they're always kind of still there. That's just something I feel like is very normal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. So one thought of the media kit, maybe have you, I don't know if you've done this. Maybe I imagined this, but I think it's real. <laughs> I think in Canva, you know, the it's so for those of you not familiar, Canva is an online like graphic program. It's partially free and then you can upgrade to the paid version, but the free version is pretty cool. I think they have a media kit template on there. I could be wrong. They um, do, they do. We don't okay. use that, but yes, we don't they use do. that, but you can yeah. use it if you want. Um, you you would not want to use it stock, like you'd want to go in and use it just as a skeleton and then fix the graphics and the colors and the fonts to reflect you. Um, But that could be a place just to give you a framework. Sometimes it's really intimidating to start with a blank page. Give yourself a framework. Um, And then and allow yourself to change those headings and allow yourself to not include everything it says you have to. Yes. So that you can make room for the things that make you shine. Absolutely. Yeah. You you can break the rules on that a little bit. Yeah. Um, Make sure you're just totally is a techie piece. Make sure you're exporting as a PDF. Like don't yes. send it to a company yes. as like a word document or yes. a JPEG, like an image. You want it to be a PDF because it, it's embarrassing because I've had this happen where you're trying to be professional and polished. You send them the wrong file or a file they can't open. And it just is awkward. Yeah. It's not yeah. the end of the world, but yeah. save it as a PDF and you'll yeah. save yourself some headache. Yeah. Um, yeah. Little things you learn. Yes. Of the years. Okay. All right. So let's say someone has narrowed down some really good affiliate programs. So we're back on affiliates. We're kind of coming full circle here. Okay. Um, They've signed up for the programs, which usually is pretty easy. You just input your, your address and your name and your email and your platform. Now, what do they do? Like (laughs) what's next? Okay. Um, you want to, first of all, the first thing that comes to mind, this is going to sound really silly, but it's helped me so many times when I go to log in, because once you do have an affiliate, a relationship set up, you're going there pretty often. You're going there to get links. You're going there to check information. You know, it's, you're using these dashboards pretty often. So here's my silly tip, okay? <laughs> 
set up an email that's just for this. That's you know, so it's it's point. coming into your inbox, right? So you're still, you're not going to miss anything because you, you align it to your own inbox that you're always using. But when you go to log in, you're not searching around and having to look up, wait, what's the email I signed up with? <laughs> so if you have an email just for that, that streamline it, streamlines it. Um, then I also highly recommend either Google Sheets or Trello. They're both great programs that I use to keep everything organized because once, as soon as you apply, there's things you want to remember and I guarantee you're going to forget about each one of these affiliate programs. So you'll know those important things when you go to set it up, but um, you want to keep track of, excuse me, <laughs> you want to keep track of when you apply. Um, sometimes depending on the program, you can actually put a personal note I always copy my information because I want to know when that person, that real person is going to reach out to me eventually. I want to know exactly what I told them about me. Does that make sense? Or about you? Um, so I actually keep on my Trello boards, I actually put a card of what that information was that I told them in that nice little box where I could have typed anything I wanted to. I keep track of that. And this is when you're when you're applying for the Yeah, that's what, that's what you customer. asked me about, right? That's yeah, what yeah, you asked me about. Okay. Clarifying. Just, just make sure anyone listening wasn't. Um, yes. So this is when she's applying and they're like, tell us about your, your company or your business. Then Michelle's keeping track of what she told, which is smart because that would leave my brain very quickly. Oh, it wouldn't stay in my brain for a minute. No. Are you kidding? No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Trello is my brain actually. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, and also usually depending on the platform, even though they haven't accepted you, they ask you to set up a password and your login name. So I will put that on another card. So I have it. So once we get the acceptance, you know, I have everything there that I need to know. And then of course I'll set up another card in there, putting all that information that we started talking about in the beginning of what percentage they pay you, how long the cookies are, and if they have any evergreen offer. So I keep all that in one place. And, and trust me when I say you will lose it if you don't, I mean, that's like the oh, best totally. tip because, um, yeah, you won't remember where the emails are. You won't remember where the passwords are. So, and the links, it's such a pain when you're creating content, like you're wanting to do an Instagram story and talk about a, an item. And then you're trying to find the link and you can't remember, did I get approved? Where did I put it? It's just, yeah, start organized yep. and then your life will be much, yep. better, much better. Absolutely. Okay. I think we're, we're getting close on our time, but I wanted to kind of wrap up this conversation. I think this is- Holy cow, how long have we talked? I get way too excited about these topics. I so like I, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is- Oh my gosh, I'm sorry if I just completely no. was spewing away. <laughs> I don't have a time limit on the podcast, but you know, I try to keep it usually 45 minutes. Is I know, I just looked to how long. Oh my goodness. When it's good stuff, you got you can't stop. You can't stop it from flowing. You have to keep going. At least when so you're I'm, a marketing geek, you know, like we are. <laughs> no one has ever complained when we're giving good value. You, no Good. one has ever said that. Yeah. Um, so I think yeah. it'll be okay. <laughs> so, but this is a really, I think, potentially one of the most important questions in this whole topic, mm -hmm. the important uh, pieces is yeah. how do you how do you start sharing these offers? Maybe it's a, an affiliate offer, right, for someone starting out, or maybe you have your first sponsor. How do you sell this? And sometimes the word sell even makes people, Ooh, I'm uncomfortable, but share it, sell it. How do you put yourself out there uh, in an organic way, in a way that feels good to you, that your followers appreciate? Like when they, like when someone tells you, thank you for telling me about this product, like we said earlier, that's fabulous. It's not like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe you have an ad in my face and you're annoying me, but like, you're no, like thank right. you for oh, telling yeah. me about this. You're serving your audience. What are some tips for doing that? 
So it feels good for everybody involved. Right. I think it all comes back to, I think we mentioned this in, in passing, the content that you're giving as you're showing the product. Because if you are solving a problem um, or if you're, you know, all along you're teaching, maybe before you even show the product, you're teaching about, let's say it's seedlings and you have this great setup for seedlings, but you could spend weeks educating the folks that are following you about the value of seedlings. I mean, there's so much information you could share about the nutrition quality, about what are good seeds to do, to use as seedlings, why you want to use specific seedling seeds and not the ones you put in your garden. Like there's so many things that you're talking about and it's a fascinating subject. And the more you share, the more interested your audience is. And then when you have explained to them how valuable it is and you show them all the ways you use your seedlings, you put them on your sandwich and you put them in your scrambled eggs and you put them in your smoothie and and you're sharing recipes for all these things, they're going to get to a point that they are dying to know how do I grow seedlings, right? And, And because you love seedlings, it's all genuine. You're not like, like Kate would say, pimping yourself. You're not because you're growing seedlings and you love them and they taste good and they're so good for you. So that's honestly the most effective way to share anything. Don't try to share a product or sell something that you don't love and that you're not using. But if you are using it, educate yourself, first of all, about why this is great. And then educate anyone who's watching you, all the great qualities that lead up to this product and then it's it's a win-win for everybody. And like you said, they're telling you, oh my gosh, I'm so glad you showed me how to buy this seedling kit, you know? Yeah. And it's, I have to say, and this is a good way to end this, I feel like I have worked in marketing since my college years. So I won't say exactly how long, but it's been quite a few decades. <laughs> um, and, and I've always loved marketing, but until I started doing this kind of marketing where I am in the homesteading niche and I am showing people how to grow food, how to prepare food, et cetera. And we're using products that we love. Until then, I didn't really feel like I loved my job. I liked watching the numbers. I liked seeing results, but then the fun was over and it was blah. You know, I mean, when I first started off in marketing, I worked in credit card company and I worked for selling credit cards. You know, that was my first gig in marketing. And I never felt good about that. I think you can understand why, right? Yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> but when I find, when I help you find a product or when you say to me, oh, I have this greenhouse and it's great. <laughs> yeah. And then I can reach out to that company and we can work together and you can show your audience. And then you have people who would never have grown food in the fall and the climate that they live in that are now providing food for their family all year long because of this, this product you know, that you found. I think this was the longest run on sentence I've ever had, but <laughs> it gets me really excited. And I absolutely love my job and never... Do I ever wake up and feel like I was pimping myself or I was pimping the Prairie Homestead? I never feel like it's not extremely valuable. I feel the exact opposite. Like, how can we help people today? This is fun, you know? I agree. And I think, yeah, and the biggest piece is just being authentic um, and real as you you are sharing, you know? And and if there's a product, like there have been multiple products or companies that um, we're just, we, we got, we're, we're interested in maybe working together. And then we got a little farther in and we're like, this isn't a fit for us. Like even yeah. recently, I'm not going to oh, say just recently, yep. but we were, we were really excited about this, um, company and some of their products and you and I both, they were going to send us some stuff to try. And we were like, I was for sure it was going to be fabulous. Yeah. 
we got it home, got it here. I, we opened the boxes. You and I tried it and we boxed at each other and we're like, <laughs> this wasn't what I thought. Yeah. Not awesome. The instructions were not awesome. It didn't work like I thought it would. Yeah. So we're like, thanks, but no thanks. Like I can't yeah. promote something unless I feel good. Otherwise I feel like a slime ball and I don't like that feeling. Yeah. And so when we we're sticking with companies that are in alignment, that are serving my audience, it's easy. I mean, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't say it sells itself, right? You still have to go out there. Absolutely. Yeah. No, but it's easier. And it's that element of like, I don't feel like I have to be like a used car salesman or I have to be like, okay, okay. We're in like advertisement mode. I'm just like, Hey guys, I'm using this grain mill in my kitchen. Here's why I like it. I'm actually using it right now to make oat flour. And if you want it, here's, here's a link. Here's, you know, you can use my coupon code. Like that to me is as natural as it can be. And that's when people respond because it's solving a problem for them. It's in alignment with me and happily ever after. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Um, cool. Good, good, uh, stuff. Do you have any last words of wisdom for someone who's starting into this world? I think my tips would be um, first of all, it takes a long time and that's okay. You know, you're not, like I said, you're not going to go out and make big money on day 30 of having your blog out there yeah. with affiliate links. Um, but enjoy the process. Enjoy this whole idea of someday when I have 10,000 followers on Instagram, what are the things I would love to be showing those followers and take, it's okay that it will be a few years until you're to that point. Um, enjoy the process of getting to figure out what companies you could work with. And like I said, go on Facebook groups and find a beekeeper if you're looking for honey and have fun with that because they're not going to be upset if you don't show big results, you know? So start small, work with other smaller family-owned companies and enjoy the process. Yes, for sure. And and it's a learning, it's a learning curve. And just totally the way you learn is just getting out there and trying it. Yep. Yep. And so, yeah great advice. Where can everybody find you on the great big old internet? If they want to come get to know you better. Oh, just uh, solely rested.com. S-O-U-L because pretty much in this homesteading world, there is really no rest except in my soul. That's where the name came from. So (laughs) you can just find me that way on any, any social media. And your podcast is I can't uh, always forget. Yes. Simple. I simple okay. doesn't mean easy. Uh, I would love yeah. to have folks look me up over there. Yes. Simple Any podcast mean. player. Simple okay. doesn't mean easy. Fabulous. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This was super Absolutely. Fun. I'm sorry that like I said, I get crazy and talk so oh, much about this stuff, but it was good. totally fun. You know me how I like the meaty stuff. No fluff. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. We definitely didn't have fluff. No yeah. fluff. Yeah. No fluff. So all right. Well, guys, go find Michelle um, solelyrested.com and you can find her on Instagram and all those fun places as well. And thanks for listening. I hope this episode was helpful. It's definitely a little bit of a different topic than what we normally cover, but this was one that, you know, I've seen so many people struggle with over the years that I wanted to pull back the curtains. You could kind of see, uh, at least how it works for us and how we have navigated it over the years. So that's it for today. We'll catch up again on the next episode of the old fashioned on purpose podcast.